Hello everyone and welcome once again to Motos and Friends, the weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial team at Ultimate Motorcycling. My name is Arthur Coldwells. Vespa is a, possibly the, storied name among scooters. The Italian mark produces premium quality machines that excel in urban environments. And what better urban environment to test a Vespa than in the heart of Italy, Rome. Senior editor Nick DeSena took himself there, not to splash around in the Trevi Fountain as one might assume, but to actually ride the new Vespa 300 GTS in its natural habitat. If you live in Rome, you need a Vespa like the Pope needs a balcony. If you live elsewhere, well, you be the judge after you hear what Nick has to say. In our second segment, editor-at-large Neil Bailey chats with Cindy Sadler, co-owner of track day provider Sport Bike Track Time, the biggest provider of track days on the East Coast. Cindy is a real rider and loves track days, riding her Honda 125 two-stroke GP bike. So from all of us here at Ultimate Motorcycling, we hope you enjoyed this episode. So I understand you've been roaming in Rome on a Vespa. What's all that about? Yeah, I mean, we rode around on the 2023 Vespa GTS 300, and that's going to be the the biggest displacement Vespa in the lot these days. And really, if you're talking about, you know, looking at things from an American's perspective, I would say there, there are other models like the Primavera and things like that. But for me, my interests my sort of uh, motorcyclist sensibilities. The Vespa 300, GTS 300 in particular, uh, really stands out because it's, you know, it packs a fair bit of punch for a little guy like that. And, uh, you know, you can hum along at 75 miles an hour and, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all pretty happy. And, you know, it's, it's incredibly fun to ride. But more to the point, we were in Rome, which is kind of the, the ancestral home of the Vespa, we'll say. Um, you know, taking a look at any of the city streets, you'll notice that Roman streets are dominated by scooters and not by an insignificant margin, but Vespas in particular. <laughs> right. Kind of unsurprisingly there. Um, you know, Vespa is not based in Rome, but they have quite a... Uh, Quite a bit of market market share, we'll say. Sure. What are the what are the road surfaces like? Because when I was in Rome, a lot of it was all cobblestone type streets. That was a long time ago. Is it now much more paved? Well, well, no. It's still it's still quite cobblestoney. Um, okay. All right. So no progress there then. All right. No, I mean it's a it's a historical city. Yeah. There's tons of paved road services, as you'd expect in a, in a modern environment, but a lot of the side streets are still, you know, cobblestone that date back hundreds of years, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so you're, you're getting a, a fair mix of everything from modern pavement to cobblestones that carriages would have rolled over. And that's kind of, kind of the scooter's forte, just getting bounced around on literally everything. Um, but, you know, with the 2023 Vespa in particular, there's a handful of changes going on. I mean, stylistically, they've done a lot to the appearance. 
that's kind of what really jumps out immediately. But there's also tons of changes um, that are aimed after the ergonomics. So for example, has a much slimmer seat uh, these days, and that's really just to help people, you know, get their feet on the deck on this step through design. It's super accommodating. It always has been, always will be. And Vespa just keeps pushing that narrative. The handlebars are a little wider. The uh, master cylinder, uh, brake master cylinders are angled down a little bit just for added comfort. And just little touches like that, that really kind of streamline themselves into talking about the aesthetics, which have changed for 2023. You know, Vespa really wanted to modernize its appearance without really stepping away from the Vespa identity. So you look at it and it's unmistakably Vespa from nose to tail. I mean, it is just quintessential Vespa design, but there's plenty of new features uh, to talk about there. Has a new tie, so the the sort of the point in the front of the fairing that uh, that comes together and sort of brings the two two edges together. It has LED lighting all around. Integrated turn signals on the front now. New wheels, new mudguard, new little crest section, and you know the switch gear has some new classically styled um, features right there. Kind of kind of a throwback design element, um, you know, chromed out, things like that. Uh, new grid design on the side. So that's essentially the vents, uh, kind of where the engine is, is, is stacked. Um, but overall, you know, they've, they've tried to move this version of the GTS uh, series, which includes a 125 and a 300, and the United States can only get 300 into the future. And I think Rome is a really cool backdrop for this 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 visual update because Rome is an incredibly historic city. It's that sort of goes without saying. You have Vatican City right there, the uh, the Pantheon, and you know just yeah, the much of our world's history located in a very 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 small um, footprint, we'll say. And and Vespa, true to form, you know they they stick within the roots and are able to sort of nudge forward aesthetically. So whether, you know, you like it or not, that's up to you. Um, you know, another big change is the, the dash. Uh, they, they have an LCD analog combo dash on three of the four trims, trim package levels, and then a fourth trim, trim package goes up and gets a full blown TFT display, you know, as you'd see on plenty of other, other uh, Piaggio motorcycles. Wow. That's quite a step up, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, of course you have underseat storage. You also have storage uh, underneath the handlebar. I guess I would, I would label that as a glove compartment. Right. Okay. You can't fit a full face helmet under the underseat storage. Okay. Whatever. But you can fit books, groceries, you know, all your daily runabout stuff that you do in any major city like Rome. Um, so I guess that's that's sort of the backdrop. Now, like we'll do one other bit of homework and just talk about the four different levels of trim. And realistically, when I say trim, it just comes down to aesthetics, um, colorways, and things like that. So either chrome or not chrome, matte finishes, gloss finishes, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mechanically, they're identical. You have the GTS, just the 
classic Vespa. Boom, there you go. Then you have the GTS Super, a little bit more contemporary, has some, some uh, graphics on it that are a little more, we'll say, appealing to the youth, the, the youths. And um, then you have the GTS Super Sport that has a little more dramatic graphics on it and then some carbon fiber uh, bits and bobs on there. So the, the tie piece down the front, that's a carbon fiber uh, little, little piece just for that super sport aesthetic. And then you have the super tech and that's the model that actually features some crucial differences in terms of, uh, uh, you know, when being compared to the rest of the lineup. And really that has to do with the fact that it gets the TFT display, the 4.3 inch TFT display. Um, so between all of them, they share all of the new features and things like that. So all of them now have a keyless ignition. You just turn the little switch on the, on the inside of the fairing, you're good to go. The new analog LCD dash that's on the GTS, the Super, the Super Sport. And there's also a bike finder and seat opening, uh, uh, function. So the bike finder, you just click your little keyless ignition, which is super handy because, you know, half the scooters in Rome are Vespas. Um, so that's nice. And uh, they also support uh, the Vespa Mia connectivity system. So you can pair the device or the your your personal mobile device with the with the scooter. And in the case of the TFT display, that opens up things like navigation and whatnot. So there are price differences between them. You start at the GTS 300, that's at $7,799. The Super, that's a couple hundred bucks more at uh, $7,999. The Super Sport, that's an additional $100 on top of that at $8,099. And then the Super Tech, the one with the different dash, that's at $8,499. So a bit of a price difference there. Also new for the year, mechanically speaking, is a basically a new front end, new uh, front suspension on that beautiful single-sided swing arm, if you want to call it that. Kind of references the aeronautic history of, of Vespa. If you really go back in, in the you know to the start of it, anyway, Vespa calls it a, a, a pulled rod, so essentially a, a pulled rod that helps. Um, you know, with, with damping functionality and just improves grip and comfort over really abused roads. And when you're running around Rome, you know, that's, that's a huge help in my opinion. Um, and having ridden a number of Vespas in the past and, and other scooters and its contemporaries, I would say that it's beneficial. In the rear, we have, you know, the standard fare. So dual hydraulic shocks, pretty par for the course for Vespas. Uh, you have a four position preload adjustment, cool. And uh, according to the brand, also the, the damping's been updated. Okay, now, now we've done the homework, kind of set the stage for the 2023 Vespa GTS 300. Now let's talk about Rome. <laughs> okay, well, just, just one, one quick thing. I just wanted to just confirm that it's still a single cylinder, you know, 300 or close to 300 cc. And Presumably, uh, it's just single single gearbox with no shifting or and no clutch, just twist and go. Yeah, correct. I mean, the exact displacement is 
278cc liquid-cooled four-valve single-cylinder engine produces a, a whopping 23.8 uh, horsepower and 19.2 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, honestly, for when you're talking scooters, that's that's quite it's quite quite notable, honestly. And yeah. like I said before, you can cruise along at 75, 80 miles per hour and it doesn't feel stressed. And yes, it is a CVT transmission. So just a twist and go. Right. No need to shift. No need to think. If you can fog a mirror, then I, I'd say you're in good shape. Um, <laughs> that's sort of the, the beauty of scooters overall is that they're just incredibly user friendly, um, which we'll, we'll get into in a second. So yeah, on to Rome. So what was Rome like? Well, if you're going to ride a scooter, it should be in Rome or Milan. But since we're in Rome, it should be in Rome. And, you know, so our day kind of started out in a, a little residential area. Um, I'm going to butcher the name, but um, I believe it was called uh, Aurelio. And, you know, it's a, just a, a common residential neighborhood in Rome. The cool thing about it is that it's within, you know, a stone's throw of Vatican City. So we have some cool photos of, you know, from that neighborhood, looking back at uh, St. Peter's Basilica. Obviously, the Pope is uh, doing all of his poping in that, that area, you know, because that's yeah, what he does. That's what he does. Um, and, uh, you know, just sort of ran around the city. So bouncing around on these cobblestone roads, the new suspension, that definitely helped. And what's really awesome about a scooter is that you can just weave in and out of traffic furiously. And even though I grew up in Southern California and lane splitting has always been a part of our motorcycling lifestyle because we are from an, an enlightened state in the union. Um, <laughs> okay. It's uh, lane splitting isn't really done the same um, in Italy that, that we do in the United States. It's, it's a lot more intense, we'll say, in Roman traffic, which is pretty dense to begin with. And then you add in, you know, a much more aggressive scooter fan base. And I'll say that that scooters just kind of rule the streets with total impunity, which is hilariously awesome. You know, kind of leaning on that that 23-ish horsepower, you can just get on the gas and start whipping through cars and doing as the locals do. Right. Because at least for my American sensibilities, scooters, they might have to abide by traffic laws, but as far as I can tell, they they don't. I think the traffic laws in Italy are more like loose guidelines, really, aren't they? Yeah, I think if you're driving a four-wheeled vehicle, they might be a little more stringent, but if you're on a scooter, essentially no rules um as far as i can tell i obviously that is hyperbole but when you see <laughs> what the scooters get away with and the fact that the authorities don't blink an eye you just do as the romans do and fall in line with them because you're getting blasted by every local left right and center and also you know gesturing and um you know you, you learn the, the lay of the land and how to communicate with fellow scooter riders pretty quickly but yeah, you know, it's super maneuverable and that really stuck out when you're just running around and seeing all of the sites. I mean, we went straight from that neighborhood over to another really cool sort of landmark, Fontana dell'Acqua Paola. Okay, again, my Italian is non-existent, so bear with me. Anyway, really cool landmark. Apparently it's one of the, the highest spots in Rome. Uh, in terms of elevation, 
and it was sort of the terminus for an aqueduct that once served the Vatican City. Um, anyway, it's beautiful. Nice. And we just sort of rode around that area. It's a really cool little congregation spot in the nighttime. Um, apparently, if you're like between the ages of 16 and 38, that's just where you go to, uh, you know, hang out outside at night and drink on a weekend, I guess. I don't know. Um, but um, yeah, that's a really cool spot. We just rode by there, went down through Vatican City and not actually through Vatican City, but by it, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, uh, through the Vatican, or by the Vatican, I'll say. And we crossed the river, went past the Colosseum. And then, right. you know, after exploring, you know, it's the bike's agility and just how, how amazing it is to ride a, a Vespa in Rome. You just have this, this ability to go wherever you want and do almost anything you want within reason. I mean, we were joking about the traffic laws earlier, but we have to ride responsibly, obviously. The reality is it's just, there is no better way to navigate a congested city than from the seat of a scooter. And then to sort of expand on the, the Vespa GTS's, you know, other abilities, we, we sort of headed outside the city. We kind of got on some country roads and some twisty canyon or not canyon roads, but twisty country roads that if we were on an Aprilia or a Moto Guzzi would be more than adequate to go and, you know, flog, flog a bike around and learn something about its suspension and, you know, performance. But out, even outside the city, you have, again, like a really good power to weight ratio. The GTS has some, some gumption underneath it. So when you start winding it out in those canyon roads and and having some fun, it doesn't feel, you know, anemic at all. It, it can really go the distance. And that's sort of the whole, you know, GTS lineup. Um, you know, the, the whole grand touring aspect of this Vespa, it can really go for it. And, you know, even with a passenger, I think it would do okay. Um, so we, we headed off a little bit, I believe it's Northeast of Rome or Northwest of Rome, not entirely sure if I remember that correctly, to a right. little scenic area called uh, Lake Bracciano. And basically during the summer, this is a nice little hot spot with lakeside restaurants and swimming, et cetera, et cetera. Now we went there during the winter, obviously, so not exactly the, the we'll say, beach resort that we totally anticipated from the photos, um, but we still got an awesome little lunch, right next to a lake and again you know the the suspension and everything else really works works nicely even outside the city on smooth paved roads so it really just shows how versatile the gts 300 platform can be um, and how a scooter can be you know an incredibly versatile little vehicle and that's something that I truly enjoyed about it. Again, super light handling. It just takes no effort to flick it around and do whatever you want with it. You have the storage, you have, you know, other amenities as well. There's, there's even traction control um, in ABS is standard. It has, and those two features have been on the Vespa GTS for a number of years now. I mean, the, the actual product line goes back to uh, 2002. Um, when it was originally, sorry, 2003, 
when the Gran Turismo lineup was born and it's carried on all the way through. And I think in, I think it was 14 when it got ABS and traction control, which they refer to as ASR, you know, braking performance, looking at it from a motorcyclist perspective, it's one of those things where I always have to reset when I jump on a, on a scooter because the braking biases are a little bit different. There's a lot more weight distributed over the rear. So the rear brake is, is actually um, not, not almost as functional as the front, but works quite well. So if you use the brakes individually, you know, they don't have uh, a harsh bite. They're very approachable. You know, they don't have, they don't have the same type of attack that, you know, a general motorcycle would, but if you use them in combination with each other, you will stop almost instantly. And there's no drama, no skipping of the ABS. It just, there you go. And again, when you're in the city dealing with traffic, that's a huge, huge benefit. Or if you're out, you know, gallivanting around in, in the countryside. It's, it sounds like a great vehicle and perfect for around town. And I've often wondered why, you know, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, what have you, aren't just absolutely packed with scooters the way a lot of the, you know, the, the more Far Eastern countries are and, and what have you. I mean, they're just a great way to get around. The, the thing that does concern me with it, though, is the price. Seven and a half thousand dollars for a scooter is a, is a lot of money when you consider the kind of motorcycles that you can get. Now, they don't necessarily have the the utility of the scooter, but it seems like that's a lot of money for for, for people to pay. How do, do Piaggio even address that? Well, from their perspective, and I guess my perspective as well, certain brands don't have to address that issue because it's it's like this to me. You don't go to a steakhouse and buy the chicken. You, you know, don't wear a Armani suit because you, you didn't like the idea of buying an Armani suit. You're, you're buying into the whole experience and you like the lifestyle and you like the appearance of it and you enjoy that aspect of it. So yes, it does come at a premium in comparison to other scooters. Okay. Of course, there are a million different Japanese and Korean scooters that come in at a far, far, far lower price point. But the reality okay. is they aren't Vespas. So whether you rate it as a real tangible thing or not, they just don't have the same gravitas. The reality is it's not a Vespa. And if you want a Vespa, then you're going to pay for the Vespa. And that's what you're going to get. And... <laughs> You know, that's that's sort of the thing. It's 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 not an argument that you can put a lot of, um, you know, to be blunt about it. It's not a rational argument because objectively there are vehicles that are cheaper than 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 this price point. You could get a bigger displacement motorcycle for this money. You could buy, you know, something else. You you could start paying down college loans, literally doing anything else. But the fact is you wanted a Vespa, you wanted a GTS because it looks like a Vespa, makes you feel a certain way and you love the looks of it and that's it. And people want what they want. And so I know that argument doesn't um, resonate with a lot of motorcyclists because we tend to be what I'll say, what I'll describe as sort of, um, uh, irrationally practical. And let me explain that. Every motorcyclist goes, oh, you know, it has to be X, it needs to be Y and Z. 
But at the end of the day, you're still buying a motorcycle to go and have fun with. So whether you're buying it for its looks or its performance or its utility, at the end of the day, we buy stuff because we want it. That's true. I mean, I mean, motorcycles are certainly, you know, purchased out of emotion. Um, I mean, you know, motorcyclists buy with their heart, not really typically with their head. But at least can we say that the Vespers have really a sort of premium level build quality and perhaps a, you know, specification that is, you know, higher than its competitors? So you are getting... You're, so you're getting more for your money. Oh, absolutely. If you're if you're able to step up to that kind of price range, you are definitely getting value for it. Is is that correct? Yeah, I would say that in in probably ninety five percent of the the um, the considerations. So when you're looking at fit and finish, Vespa is always going to be offering probably one of the one of the top tier um, uh, sort of experiences overall. The paint qualities, especially the gloss paint on these motors, on these scooters, sorry, is excellent. And you have the chrome finishing and all of that stuff just really kind of does it for me. The seat stitching, everything is just really well placed, well put together, kind of excellent build quality in that regard. Um, the only sort of minor little complaints I might have is with that new switch gear setup, the chrome bits are a little bit flimsy looking. Um, in terms of their 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 execution, I kind of wish they were true chromed out metal, but I can see why they're not. Right. Um, and you know, if we, we if we look at the TFT display, as much as I do appreciate the push into having a, a much more modern display layout, I do think that the LCD slash analog dash is just much more fitting of a Vespa. Um, right. I think it just looks the part more so than the TFT display. Now, if you want the navigation and things like that, and you really want to use the Motogus and Mia app and integration to its full potential, then that's the, the option you're going to have to go with. Um, however, in my opinion, the, the analog slash LCD dash really suits sort of my 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 preconceived notions of what a Vespa should be. That whole retro feel. Yeah, because you know, I'm I'm if I'm jumping on a Vespa, I, I'm I'm trying to look for that that sort of thing. You know what I mean? It's not it, it's it's going after a certain experience and feel and and charm. And the TFT display, while the graphics and, and things like that kind of do gel with the rest of the bike. I just like the idea of attack going up and down and it's cool. So, you know, there's that. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, just running around Rome, getting to deal with the locals and, and, and just experiencing Rome from the seat of a Vespa, there's kind of nothing like it. You hear everything, smell everything, every little random food cart and cafe and person just railing by you. Um, is is pretty pretty awesome overall and oh. you know the locals and the way they ride scooters is is something that you know <laughs> not for the faint of hearts i mean <laughs> we all kind of talked about this and and when one of our colleagues mentioned it before he's like oh yeah you'll see these guys and you know open face helmets or 
or modulars flipped up where they have the cigarette and in one hand, they have the cell phone shoved in the helmet, pressed against the ear with the other. And then, you know, gesturing with the other hand, just flying down the road. I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cartoonish. So that definitely happens. I saw not just one or two examples of that, but several. Um, and it's, it's great. But, you know, every major city has, you know, their sort of quirks and and things that really stick out and you know running around rome on on a, on a scooter particularly a vespa gts 300 not a bad way to do it yeah awesome okay well uh thanks as always i appreciate your uh, your input sounds like i mean they are incredibly charismatic you know fun machines in the right environment um and the fact that they've got a little bit of top speed so they can go from town to town you know easily and quickly is is great as well so yeah so yeah so other than uh other than the premium that you have to pay for it it's uh they sound really like a great machine yeah yeah you know hopefully they start growing in popularity around the united states but again we're dealing with a much bigger landmass, so sometimes things don't translate as directly plus um, Americans tend to just like big things because big. Um, <laughs> but the reality is, if you live in a, anywhere near a major city or in a major city, a scooter makes tons and tons of sense. I mean, if I lived in Los Angeles proper, I'm pretty sure I would um, still review a lot of the bikes. But the reality is, I think my daily, you know, to the gym and to the grocery store and everything else would be a happy little little scooter and if it was a vespa then i i don't think i'd be too sad about that either so no no yeah. they're great all right yeah cool brand cool bike all right thanks nick really appreciate it yeah in this second segment editor-at-large neil bailey chats with cindy sadler co-owner of track day provider sport bike track time the biggest provider of track days on the east coast Cindy is a real rider and loves track days, riding her Honda 125 two-stroke GP bike. You started motorcycling about 25 plus years ago, right? Right about, I think, yeah, about 23 years ago, somewhere close right. to that. Right, she's literally just 24. So um, yeah, just turned 24 yesterday. Right, so it's not right. <laughs> um, but Cindy has been, you know, pretty much, uh, riding bikes that whole time. You started on a Ninja 250, but you originally learned on your brother's Honda Hawk 650, right? Yeah, he uh, he was one of the hot guys. There used to be this big cult following of Honda Hawks. I guess there still is, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, it's what has me where I am today is the Honda Hawk. So I learned on a Honda Hawk, um, went to a parking lot. My brother taught me how to do the duck walk and how to turn around and how to change gears. and. Uh, when I took to it and I really liked it, he found um, a salvage Ninja 250, a 2000, I think it was a 2002 Ninja 250 or 2001 Ninja 250. And uh, so I bought that and we rebuilt that together from salvage, got the title back together. And um, I used that to commute back and forth to school and to work and, you know, probably 30, 40 miles a day. It was great. So at that time you were living in Kansas mm -hmm. and you rode that for a year or two. Then you moved to Philadelphia and continued to ride the Ninja. Yeah. So, so I mean, you rode that thing for, what, three, 
Four years, maybe? Oh, geez, at least five, I think. Five or six, probably. Um, the hard parts were, yeah, getting back and forth to Temple. So I went, um, I lived in the suburbs of Philly, in North Philly. And uh, then I, I rode that downtown Philly to go to Temple. So it was, it was the easier way than to try to park the car on campus mm-hmm. and things like that. So it was, it was a lot easier to go through there, but it definitely showed you the different sides of Philly. So then you had a big life change around, what, 06? Yep, 2006. You so came down to Charlotte. Yeah, I moved. I graduated college finally. It only took you know a little over 10 years to finally graduate college. You're a fast learner. Yeah, you that's pretty, things up pretty that's quick. That's pretty quick. I, yeah, I can see that. I've got an award for graduating <laughs> so fast, right? So yeah, I um, uh, moved. I got up for my job right after I graduated college in North Carolina. And um, I didn't have enough room in my U-Haul to uh, put all of our household goods and have a motorcycle. You know, with the gas, I didn't know how to secure it. And I was all confused and worried about driving it down. Uh, my brother, who taught me how to ride the Han Hawk, told me if I sell it, he'd help me find a new bike And uh, when I get to North Carolina. And he's like, You're, you've outgrown that 250 anyway. You should you should." move on to something else. And this was 2006. It's 2006. This was and summer the, of 2006. And the cool thing is you bought your Ducati 800. Yeah, 900. 900. 900. And you still have it. I still have it. Yeah. And it's the best bike ever. You've actually had it longer than I've had my trial. Ah, 24 years. That's awesome. And it's still beautiful and immaculate and you ride it regularly. It is drinking age. God, it's just such a great old bike, isn't it? So during that time, you're riding your monster around. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had a couple of jobs, but then you ended up at Speed. I did. So initially, you were just working as a production assistant on different shows and kind of ragging around the country. And then you moved into marketing where you were able to be a bit more stable. Yeah, it was. It helped not having the evenings and weekends busy yeah. all the time. So the two greatest things in your life happened. First, you mm-hmm. met me, right? Of and then course. you met Trevor. And then I met Trevor. Right, who's now your husband, so... He'll be happy with that. He'll be happy with that. He needs to know that you're first. <laughs> right, right. Well, as long as he knows his position, that's the main <laughs> thing, right? So you and I met at Indianapolis in the 08 mm-hmm. during the Motor Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And we put our heads together, and this was really, really cool. We decided that if people worked at speed, because you were a motorcyclist and I was the motorcycle editor, everybody that worked there needed to learn to ride motorcycles and get into the spirit of things, right? So we dragged all of the office ladies yeah. out to Aaron Stevenson's corner spin. Just fantastic. Yeah, and we gave them this whole weekend experience teaching them how to ride a motorcycle from scratch because none of these ladies had ridden a motorcycle. And it was so successful that they liked it so much and everyone speed liked it so much. Yamaha actually stepped yep. up. They took us down to Adventure World, provided a whole bunch of TTR 125, I think. We had this other big day of sort of advanced training in motocross tracks. Those ones had the push start. I think that's how you sold them because Aaron's had the kickstart and we had to kickstart all the girls' bikes all the times and that made it kind of a longer day. But the TTR 125s had the push start. Uh And that's how I think you sold it and got them to bring it to us. So it was really, really, really a fun time. So we had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. You left there to go to John Deere around 2010. Yeah. You and Trevor were now at this point married. Yeah. And we should mention that Trevor had been prior to meeting you, a track instructor with Sport Bike Track Time. Yeah, he started coaching. So he's been riding motorcycles about as long as I have. Um, and he was riding track up in Milwaukee. So he lived up in, uh, in Wisconsin mm-hmm. when we had met. And he, uh, he started, he got asked to coach about 2005 for Sport Bike Track Time mm-hmm. up in the Northern Division um, and doing Road America and, and uh, Autobahn and Putnam and things like that. And then when I convinced him to move down south to be down here because riding is better, 
and you have more uh, opportunities to ride on longer season. Then uh, he moved down here and talked to the director at the time, became um, a lead instructor down here for sport bike track time for the first couple of uh, years that he was here. And then when um, that director, Mark Sheldon, decided that he was going to quit doing track days, him and his wife wanted to have something stable again, and they went to um, manage a uh, motorcycle shop in in, uh, in Daytona. So they, and that's when you and Trevor became the directors, yeah. which is back in 2011. That, and yeah. you were married at this point. Yeah. So you're kind of like the moto couple. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, kind of, I mean, nine years of running track days all up on the East Coast. Yeah. You are the biggest track day provider on the East Coast of America. We do the most track days. Yeah. yeah. And you ride a GP Honda 125 two-stroke. I do. So I have it's a, a real race bike. It's, it's a real race bike. GP shift. Yeah. Two-stroke expansion pipes. Yeah. Slicks. Full leathers, which tire is, warmers, full leathers, slicks, all the all the good fun. Yeah, stuff. so it's very very cool. So Cindy's had this you know, really great life in and around motorcycle. I mean, the last nine years I can't even imagine how much riding you must have done. Yeah, I I don't even keep track. I think we tried to we tried to think about how many um, miles we have at Barber because Barber we go to Barber um, Barber Motorsports Park um, for two days a month between March and November. And so Trevor and I, when it was we had one of those rain days. Um, when neither one of us were riding and uh, we tried to sit and think of how many miles and we're like, so Barbara's 2.23 miles and if you do a 20 minute session at two minutes, you have X amount of, and I can't do math fast enough to do it now, but we did all the math and it was crazy how many miles just at that one track. Mm. Ever crashed? I have once. I just low sighted as going in. So Barbara has that tight turn five, mm -hmm. uh, Charlotte's web. So it's turn five, turn six, depending oh, yeah. on who you are. Um, so I was going around that, and it was actually the first time I had started getting enough speed in. So I was I was a very slow learner, even though I had a, a GP bike and it was all looks all racy. Mm -hmm. I started out slow, and um, so I was a novice and I was riding. And it was the first time I started feeling comfortable picking up speed. It was the end of my session. Then I went out my next session, and my tires had gotten cold. Honestly, oh, so <laughs> tried the same speed. Yeah, and it went whoopsie, and I went oh my gosh, there's sun. But these are a lot of the stuff that you have to learn. Yeah. And that's what you guys teach, right? Exactly. And that's the stuff that, yeah, I had to, I had to bring it back down and start going back to fundamentals and realizing that your outlap, you don't take the outlap same speed as you took your last lap and give it a second to, doesn't matter what time of the day you are, you just kind of got to get it going. Well, this is so cool. So give us a kind of a Reader's Digest version. What is Sport Bike Track Time for some, you guys, if you're not familiar with track days, you're not familiar with Sport Bike Track Time, what what is the elevator pitch on riding with you guys and what you do? Well, Sport Bike Track Time is a way for you to get your motorcycle that you ride and that you're comfortable with onto a closed course racetrack. So what we do, the, the company buys out that racetrack for the weekend and then you buy an individual spot. And so we break it out into three different groups. We have a novice group, an intermediate group, and an advanced group. So if you've never been on the track before, even if you're a good motorcycle rider, we encourage everybody to start at novice just to learn how a track works. And that's completely different than how a road course works or mm. how the mountains works. A lot of people ride up the mountains. Um, and so in our novice group, we have that group broken up into subgroups. And so then you have a coach with three or four um, actual riders. And so he's responsible for those three or four riders. And then we have a lead instructor that's kind of looking over the whole group. And so we go in 20 minutes every hour. So each group gets 20 minute sessions. And then you go out there in full leathers, helmets, um, boots that cover your ankle, gloves that cover your wrist, so that way you're as safe as possible. It has corner workers at every stand. We got an ambulance on standby, no more than like 
0.8 miles from wherever you are on the track at any time, just in case something bad does happen and you don't just have a light little low side and scratch your bike. So we do that. We do that at all of the tracks. The ones that Trevor and I go to are uh, Road Atlanta, CMP, which is here in, in uh, right south of Charlotte. We also do Talladega Grand Prix Raceway, which is in Munford, Alabama. We also do Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham and Jennings in uh, Jennings, Florida. Which is a pretty aggressive schedule. You guys are going most weekends. Yeah, so most we, weekends. We've actually been trying to have you guys come on the show for quite a while now. So actually, we, we didn't get both of you, but yeah. we will get Trevor later. And I think that's the greatest thing. If you're not familiar with what track day organizations like Sport Bike Track Time do, they bring you in a very, it's the safest possible environment. Yeah. You're, if you're a novice, you get education. Mm -hmm. If you're an intermediate trying to go faster, there's help. Mm -hmm. And if you're an advanced rider, you're getting to ride with a lot of very experienced riders that you can learn from just by the fact that you're out there. Yeah. Exactly. And like you say, you have to have good leathers, proper helmet. Your bike has to pass a technical inspection, so nobody's out there on a substandard motorcycle. Yeah, no substandard tires. No, we check your brakes, we check your suspension just to make sure that your forks aren't leaking. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it has to go through a, a big text inspection. I mean, it's not overly it's not overly huge until you get into the advanced group. Novice, it's really easy to get on track. All you have to do is um, tape up anything that would break, like your mirrors or any reflectors, um, things like that, headlamp. You just tape those off with some duct tape. Because a lot of people actually ride their bikes to the track, which I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I'd be way too tired after the day. And then they tape it up and they go out and ride for seven sessions. And then they take all the tape off and ride home. Yeah, and it's a very physically demanding. It is. Thing. You're if you're not exhausted when you're done, then you're not doing it right. Well, perfect. Well, guys, I hope you got to meet Cindy from Sport Bike Track Time, um, very old friend of mine and serious motorcyclist. And they say hopefully we'll have Trevor come on later. And uh, thank you for coming on, telling us all about Sport Bike Track Time. Awesome. Good to see you, Neil.